Welcome back to another episode of Watch It and Rank. Today we will be discussing the Netflix financial reports, Jordan Belfort's legal actions, as well as our comments on a potential live-action Bambi and rumors surrounding the Obi-Wan series. We're also going to dive into our review of Marriage Story, as well as a new segment called Throwdown. So Taylor, take it away. Let's hit it! are here it is a little later than normal sorry about that but been a crazy day um Kobe Bryant is dead and it really has me kind of shook so yeah wow I it's that was insane I can't believe that actually happened it's it it took over everything the Grammys the Pro Bowl everything just kind of stopped and was like it didn't seem real like it, it did not seem real. The world really did stop. I mean, you got to think about the guy's, uh, like his icon status, his influence around the world. I mean, there's still details coming out. We don't really know everything yet, but I mean, this is extremely sad. Uh, 2020 has not been kind to us so far. Maybe it's just the month of January, but like this really, really, really uh, was a sad story, uh, especially like with his daughter with him um like the details around it were just crazy the thing that's so jacked up is like we're gonna be talking about kobe bryant to like our kids and like 20 years from now and it's you're not going to be able to bring up him and his legacy without also being like yeah insane that he died in a helicopter crash at 41 41 and he was he was he was just in Philadelphia the other day because, like, I, the timing of this is just – that's what's crazy to me because LeBron literally passed him on the all-time score list yesterday in yeah, Philadelphia. he tweeted at him, like, 16 hours ago. He was ago. here. Like, he was here at the game on the floor. Like, it just – it's surreal. It's extremely sad. So, like, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant, uh, daughter, family, everybody um, – prayers go out because this is a story that you hate to see i mean i'm i was talking to caitlin i'm like if you made a mount rushmore of sports icons from our generation like he's on it like the most notable faces it's like him jeter you know like everybody at some point in their life has shot something at a trash can and yelled the words kobe i know it's insane everybody has done that and it's just again it's a terrible terrible thing that's happened um but like you said it it just took over the day i mean i was watching the golf the farmer's insurance and i mean tiger is known to be a huge lakers fan um and you know friends with kobe they obviously were nike representatives together and he came off the the course and the reporters asked him you know like did you know about it and his caddy found out when they were on like hole number Jesus nine and God. and did not he did not tell Tiger about it for the rest of the round. Like he didn't say anything. Oh my and God. Tiger kept hearing people in the crowd saying, Do it for Mamba, do it for Mamba and he had no idea what that meant at the time. And like you could just tell he was visibly shaken. Jeez, dude. Yeah. That's insane, man. So that is just crazy. I mean and I know this is like kind of jacked up to say now and i'm not trying to like make light of anything but 
Dude, I will never ride in a freaking helicopter. After all these crashes that have been happening, and you know I'm not a super risk-averse person, but helicopters just sound like the worst. Uh, I mean, the the thing is, he took that helicopter everywhere, they said. Like, he would show up yeah. to anything in that helicopter. So it's just – it's one of those crazy things. It's a it's a terrible story. It's extremely sad. But, uh, you know, this episode, we're, we're talking about marriage story. <laughs> Which also is not the lightest thing, so we really yeah. just gotta we gotta bring up the mood. So grab some tissues, that, grab a glass of wine. Exactly. So to ready. do that, let's start with our first segment: what you watching. And during the week, there's a lot of stuff out on Netflix, different streaming uh, devices. So what have you been watching this week? Dude, so excited! Well, first of all, we finished that show, you. So I told you we've been watching it a little bit. Yes. On Netflix. And first six eps, I was like, oh, this show's freaking awesome. Like, this is really cool, very suspenseful, very intense. But it dragged on, and the ending wasn't really what I liked. It, it just ended up being okay. I was just like, okay. Fine. But what I was pumped about watching this week was I finally got to see Dolomite is my name, and fucking up motherfuckers is my game. Ah, Eddie Dude. Murphy back at it on Netflix, right? Yeah, on Netflix. It was freaking awesome, dude. And it was it was funny, but it was also a great story about like perseverance and, you know, rolling with your crew and yep. sticking up for what you believe in and investing in yourself. It is a great movie. I highly recommend it for everybody. It was awesome. Now, I have not watched it. Um, I've heard a lot of great things as well. But after seeing it, I want to ask you, do you think he deserved an Oscar nom? Because people were really clamoring for him to, you know, be on that stage. I don't know. He was good. He was good. Okay. I mean, he, I mean, he was really good. He carried the whole movie. The whole movie is him. Um, but there wasn't any, like, super dramatic scenes right. or anything that was, like, you know, really – that was Oscar – type you know of a portrayal that's going on so. yeah you're just you're just happy to have eddie murphy back right i mean yeah. and now i mean he was gonna... amazing don't get me wrong he was amazing yeah. in the role but you know compared to joaquin and adam driver like didn't really stand a chance it wasn't quite there but he was amazing okay okay yeah, anything else you? um I'm, you know what i can see it on in the background as you're sitting there and caitlin's definitely watching some tv cue the but... booing sound effects I, me and Karen, went through all eight episodes of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and let me tell you something. That show is awesome. Trash. Oh, my God. I can't believe you. Dude, that show is just all this great uh, comic book, witchy, like, it's just a fun show, man, and it's got, like some crazy cool story beats and and it's low-key kind of funny and yeah it's totally meant for like the Riverdale kids and like the vampire diaries but I eat it up man I think it's it's a fun little like witchy ride I don't know it that's is what we watched some of the most awful dramatic acting I've ever seen in my life it is so goofy and but no way. And th- that's the one thing if it was like goofy and the plot points were the way they were but it takes itself so seriously, and it's so annoyingly and painfully just ugh, So the thing about it that – the only thing about it that I don't necessarily always love is it's very, like, empowering, uh, very, like, just 
you know, the women are in the forefront, and it is really, really, like, smart storytelling for me. And I, you know, I'm digging it, man. Dude, it's and that's the third fine. season. I'm all for, like, I'm all for women empowerment, but if you're going to, like, slap it into a story that's so janky like this, it's... It's not janky. Oh. That's the thing. you got to really connect to it. And I'm telling you, dude, this the best part about it is that – they pump out these seasons like every five months. And so we're already on three, uh, season three or part three. And it's no. just like a great ongoing story, man. There are some great characters in there. you got to give it a chance. Trash. Have you ever All seen right, that fine. show Love on Netflix? No. So basically that show Love on Netflix, it's got this It's this uh, actor, Paul Rust and Jillian Jacobs. It's like It went for three seasons. It was amazing. I love this show. But basically the premise of the show was this guy, this like kind of nerdy guy, worked on the set of literally Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Like It was called like The Coven really? or some other like BS show. It had like Judd Apatow's daughter was like the main actor who would be Sabrina. Oh, uh, you've told me about this. Yeah, and it shows you like all the behind the scenes and how they all yeah. know it's a joke and it's just meant for like – middle america and it's all just like horrible show and they just sit in the writer's room and talk about like oh yeah those like idiots in iowa to eat this shit up so we're gonna i don't know there. man I, I i'm digging it especially just you know i i feel like netflix is kind of doesn't have some great stuff right now which will lead me into the other thing i've been watching i've been i've been eating up clone wars uh on disney plus and the trailer for season seven had me so hype that I just have been going hard with it. I think I'm uh, halfway through season two, but it's like a tough because it's all out of order chronologically. So yeah. you just got to get the right order. But highly recommend anybody who's a Star Wars fan looking forward to season seven of Clone Wars. Uh, watch the trailer as well. We're not going to talk about it today, but it's a really good trailer. And I mean, the animation is it's sweet. If you like Star Wars, you'll love it. You'll love it. I mean, I've heard it's really good. It's just, to me, it's daunting to approach it because it, it seems like a lot of fluff and minimal. It's not, though. I'll tell you that. They have, like, concise three, four-episode stories that go. And I'll tell you what, too. It's not a kid's show. I mean, they show snapping necks. They show death. Yeah, I mean, like, Snap they have. necks? Yeah, dude. Can they snap necks. The snap necks? And and they like if you watch with the subtitles you see snap of neck like it is <laughs> oh my God. I'm telling you it's kind of brutal so but it's really good uh, loving it so far so that's been you know what I've been watching um, nice uh, so yeah I'll probably just continue doing that stuff and I, I'm gonna try and get to a couple uh, movies next week so maybe we'll talk about that nice right. I appreciate right, it that's that's good though that's. I mean, Sabrina is what it is, but I, I appreciate the Clone Wars. It's it's fine. Yeah, you I should, mean, you I, should I, get on Sabrina. I should be watching Clone Wars. I will never, if I ever start watching Sabrina the Teenage Witch. The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Get it right. All right. Jesus. Close it out. Let's move on. We got a lot of news to talk about, so let's dive into movie news. Let's go with our first story here, uh, talking about Netflix a little bit. Did you see that THR uh, reported of the change in Netflix viewership? I think the article led with The Witcher saying that it was the most watched show uh, Netflix has ever put out. But the reason why is because of the change they made to how they count viewers. Yep. Did you see this? 
Yeah, so I was actually really pumped that you wanted to talk about this story because it's very, you know, we're getting into kind of the strategic mindset of Netflix and what they're trying to do. So they're trying to push The that. Witcher so hard, right? They're trying to, like, you know, kiss ass to all these people in the mainstream media and all these critics and be like, this is the next Game of Thrones, guys. Be super jacked up about it. This is it's the true. best. Right? Yep. So they're trying to push it so hard. So, you know, my thought is, they're like, all right, so there's all these other streaming services, Disney Plus, NBC Universal, all these other guys, these new like games in town, right? And they're eventually going to start releasing their viewership or their views that they get on these shows. Like, in yeah, I'm, I'm for, eagerly, eagerly looking forward to seeing what Disney Plus's first quarter. Yeah. So are. the thing is, nobody's done that yet, right? No streaming services come out and gave in like a press release or kind of like a synopsis of here's the views we get for these shows and nobody's kind of pushed out those numbers yet so netflix is like all right i know we're counting viewers internally based on if you've watched 70 percent of a show but right so for those guys yeah okay just 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 to go for uh how they used to talk about it is that you had to watch 70% of a episode, the first episode, or a movie for it to count as a view. And now it's changed to less than two minutes. Yeah, exactly. Which is why, you know, when Disney or NBC Universal, what do they call it, like the Peacock or whatever it is? Peacock, yes. Peacock. So they're going to come out and be like, hey, we have you know 10 million views. And they're going to have a very minimal viewing threshold because everybody wants to push the highest numbers as possible because they want to be comparing apples to apples for investor relations and, you know, to get people's juices flowing. So yeah. they're basically saying, all right, let's jump ahead of the curve. We'll cut it down to two minutes, even though that's not really how we should be tracking metrics internally. But moving forward, when we have to report stuff to the street, we're going to want to be able to compete when guys start saying that, you know, they're getting 10 million views on a show or something like that. Yeah. And, and I, I take a look at it uh, I, uh, very similar, but at the same time, they put this as a footnote in their financials, and I find it just Netflix trying to save face with investors. I think they know that they're in trouble, and like you were saying, that they need to compete with these other platforms for yep. views, and this is their way of doing that because I believe they truly do or did take a hit in numbers when – Disney Plus came out, Peacock, HBO Max, all of these other streaming services came out. So personally, I think it's kind of shady because I'm sorry. I throw things on all the time, watch less than two minutes, and I'm like, this ain't for me. I'm not watching it all the time. And they're going to count that as a view when realistically it's not a view. So in my opinion anyway, but I look at it like that. So I don't really know what to make of it. I, it'll be yeah. just interesting to see how a year from now Netflix fares because their prices have been going up. And obviously the other services are going to have to go up as well. Like you can't stay at six ninety nine forever. So it's just going to be interesting to see how these streaming wars really, you know, what it, yeah. what the what the landscape looks like in another year or two. And people have been saying it for years, right? It all comes down to – IP. Anybody can really yeah. start a streaming service and open that platform and start charging and opening that, you know, revenue stream. But yep. really it ultimately comes down to IP. And now that all these other services are starting to pull their stuff off Netflix, it's really like, all right, Netflix, let's see what you're made of. And I mean, besides Stranger Things, 
what's i mean that's the only Which thing that's coming to the top of my head i mean oh absolutely yeah. amazing but besides stranger things what's like a series on netflix that's like much watch must watch TV? peaky peaky blinders but that's not even a netflix original no that's, that's just a they relationship have the they rights. have with bbc america correct yeah so real quick thoughts before we move on to the next story who do you think in the next three four years will be the top streaming service do you think netflix will still be there or do you think one of these other guys are going to take over the, the the top of the cake i think they'll all be there I think they'll all be there. I think Netflix. You don't think there's going to be one specific that is ahead of everybody else? No. I think it'll be. I think the market share will be pretty even because Disney's done a good job of peeling off and taking what they have and kicking it up. So I think they'll be right there. Netflix, because they were first to market and they yeah. have every. They have hooks in everybody now, right? Everybody's lazy. Nobody's going to cancel their netflix subscription to like it's very know, true a lot most americans aren't going to make that switch on their own so it's kind of like if they just put out stuff that's okay and they have stuff floating around the ether that people are talking about they can stay relevant and keep you know their viewership so i think i don't think they're going away okay yeah i i'm not really sure I think that you're probably right in terms of everybody still having a good slice of the pie. It all depends for me on whether or not these Marvel TV shows land for Disney+. Plus. I think if those really hit as hard as those MCU movies do, that people are going to be loving Disney+, Plus for what they're doing. But it really just comes down to what you like as a viewer and what ip yeah what ip you're really all about so they're all gonna be there because they all have their own little things i agree all right so next news story is another one i picked because i thought you would be a little uh into jordan belfort who for those of you listening is who the wolf of wall street is based off of well THR also is reporting that he is suing Red Granite, who is the producing partners on the movie, who he sold the rights to, for $300 million, I believe, because they funded the movie with a lot of dirty money. So what do you make of this? Because apparently he has another memoir about his time in jail that they would have rights to, and he doesn't want them to have the rights to that. So I think that's what this is all about. Oh, a hundred percent. Well, it's not only that, but so the real backstory of this, right, is basically this red granite production company who got the rights to this movie ended up siphoning money from, and I'm going to butcher the hell out of this. So, you know, have it be what it is, but there's yeah. like some like Saudi prince or some like Middle yes, Eastern yes, yes, company yes. was like laundering money through this movie production company. And now the... DOJ is involved and they're tying up all the revenue. So basically all of the revenue of the future distribution of this movie is cut off. So not only is it not open to a sequel, but he's not going to be getting any money for any further distribution of the original movie. And then like you said before, so he's totally, totally in the right because you know, this was a powerful brand. People love this story. They love this movie. And now it's my favorite Scorsese movie. Yeah. And now any hopes of a sequel, you know, might not be there. Not only because, you know, it's going to be held up in court, but, you know, people might not care once this dust settles in five, six years, because you know how long the legal process takes. So it might just fall on its face. So he probably is missing out on 
$300 million. So, yeah, I'm of two minds of it. I think that he is totally in the right for doing what he is. But about the sequel, you're not going to get Leonardo DiCaprio back. You're not going to get Martin Scorsese back to do another one of these. So, to me, it it's more of like a make a documentary about it, not necessarily a feature film because – I don't want a continuation yeah. of the story if it's going to be brand new people. Well, you don't so. have to make a doc. You could make a freaking Netflix series, man. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like a Netflix kind of doc. Do something like that. But yeah. yes, he wants the rights so that he could probably resell them to yeah. a, a distributing I company. mean, I think we're totally on the same page here. I think he's yeah. perfectly in the right. It's just kind of crazy that <laughs> a movie about money and shady dealings was funded by all by these a movie. shady dealings. Yeah. yeah, and that this guy, like, think about it. This guy went through and did all these shady things, went to jail for, like, 21 months for it, and is still making a crazy amount of money, and we're just sitting here shooting the shit talking to each other. So that was just a fun little story I thought we'd throw in. Uh, but you actually found the next one, so uh, let me hear about it. Yeah, I found this stinker, scraped it off Collider. So, two live-action Disney movies have been announced. One been one has been announced for a while, but I thought we'd bring it up anyway. So, okay, the first one is Pinocchio. Pinocchio is happening, and they just locked down Captain Marvel co-writer to pen the script for Pinocchio. The second is, is a live-action Bambi movie. Mm. Okay, so first question, is Robert Downey Jr. still attached for the Pinocchio movie? Because I know he was rumored to play Geppetto. Really? Yes. I, I have no idea. I didn't. I, actually I, did I not believe that. that that movie was supposed to be directed by uh, – we'd have to fact check it, but I want to say that it was supposed to be a Tim Burton movie, and it was, it was with Robert Downey Jr. Um, maybe not Tim Burton, maybe – some no, it's uh, like Robert Zemeckis. Robert, oh, Robert is Zemeckis. confirmed wow. to direct Disney's live action. That came out a couple of days okay. ago. Yep. Well, if Robert Downey Jr. is still attached, I mean, obviously he's got the stink of a Doolittle around him, which Geppetto could kind of be like a feels like similar. But um, give me the Pinocchio movie. I'll take or leave Bambi. I don't really know what that is all about. <sighs> I know. So that's that's my th- well. First of all, just in general. It's annoying that they're just milking these live actions for all they're worth. It's 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 getting it kind is. of stale. But if they do what they are going to do to Mulan, if Mulan hits and Mulan is different, then I don't see that the the sequel or the live action remakes are unjust. I will agree that like The Lion King. Did you see The Lion King? Yeah, of course. Did you like The Lion King? It was fine. Right. I totally agree. I had a good time when I watched it. I thought that I would really, really enjoy it. It was it was good. It was a, it was a lot of fun. But it's not something that I'm so obsessed with that I wanted to re- revisit all the time, which I thought it might be because it's Lion King. So these live actions to me are just, eh. Now, if you give me something different, like Mulan looks like, that's a different story. Yeah. So for me, it was like, as we're talking about Bambi, Jungle Book was very, you know, all animal focused, but they kind of diverted from the plot and it had its own, you know, beats through the movie. Same things as the original Disney, but it still kind of did its own thing. Lion King was literally shot for shot remake all the way through. For yep. me, it's like if Bambi is one or the other there, I and I'm trying to like play out what would they would do in their head, whether they would take on a whole new script or do a shot for shot remake. It's like either way, I don't really care. 
I yeah, I just haven't seen Bambi in so long. It's not something that I ever really choose to revisit. That I'm I'm truly just confused at how that one got greenlit. I'm reading. It's because they're getting Iger's, to the bottom of the freaking barrel. Well, I was just gonna movies. say I'm reading Bob Iger's autobiography right now, which I implore oh, everybody shit, huh? to read. It is extremely good. It's called The Thrill of a Lifetime, um, or The Ride of a Lifetime, something like that. But it is all about really managing more so. But I want to know why he, you know, how did this get happened? Did you watch the Imagineering story yet? Not yet. I need to. I need Disney to. Plus. Oh, I did not. God, so good. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I mean, what do you think? If these movies get made, will they be box office successes? And to to go on what you were saying, the Captain, Captain Marvel writer, that's interesting to me because they just announced that the Captain Marvel sequel is in the works as well with a, with a new writer. So... You know, the changing of the guard, obviously leaving on good terms if she's going to uh, write this Pinocchio story. So it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Pinocchio could be cool because Pinocchio is kind of dark and interesting, but I thought the yeah. same thing about Bambi. Or not Bambi. Sorry, not Bambi. About Dumbo. Yeah. And oh, Dumbo true. just was kind of fell flat. So. Yeah, I know. I didn't even see Dumbo, so I can't even speak to – a lot of these, but there is one more story that we need to talk about, and this one might be uh, a biggie. So we'll, we'll, you know, we talked about it briefly, but the Obi Wan series, as reported by Collider as well, I believe, has been put on delay for the fear that it was too close in story to The Mandalorian. They are rewriting scripts, and apparently, they are shortening the series to. I think four episodes. So we briefly touched on it, but for the, you know, for the listeners, what are your thoughts on this? Are you worried? Does this make you worried? Yeah. Yes and no. So I think the original script was probably great. It sounds like everybody was totally on board, and you know, if I without seeing the Mandalorian, if you told me it was going to be Obi Wan kind of overlooking and protecting Luke and kind of being this in the shadows figure who kept the peace throughout, you know, Tatooine. That would be yeah. a really awesome story. But the story completely or you know, the new story completely makes sense because if you think about what Obi-Wan would have been doing on Tatooine that whole time, it's basically the exact sort of feel as what the Mandalorian's doing. Yeah, it would have been a western type thing where he's just kind of being a guardian to a young Luke. I'm the same way. I think that this is a good thing that they're rewriting it uh, because I want, and this will go into kind of what we talked about is, you know, what do you want out of this this show now? What do you think they should do? And I think that this is the perfect opportunity to give us more of Lord Vader. Give me Vader. Give me Vader, man. It just makes sense. I, I, I think it makes sense. There's so much history between the two. And... People like to talk about the first time they saw the the original trilogy and a New Hope when they they met uh, for that fight, and they say, "I think Vader says the last time I saw you, I was but the learner, and now I am the master." Before the prequels, Ugh. nobody knew what that meant. Nobody knew that they last time that they saw each other was on Mustafar. It could have been any time. There is wiggle room in there. There's a lot of wiggle room in there. So just 
give us a story where it doesn't need to be like they meet like four or five times in the story, but kind of have like Vader have the sense that his children are alive because he knows that Padme was pregnant and that maybe he goes on a look for them in the galaxy and Vader or Obi-Wan just has to keep Luke safe from Vader. And so, they just have one crossing. That's all I need. I'm That's not what I want. booing Vader because I don't love Vader because I don't think Vader would somewhat fit into the story and what you're saying. I'm booing Vader because Disney has to be protective of that IP and they can't keep using him as a freaking crutch and everything. If they keep throwing Vader and everything, then it's just going to be like, all right, every single time we see a Star Wars movie or show, all right, where's Vader going to pop in? Where's Vader going to pop in? How's Vader going to tie into this? How are we going to shoehorn Vader into this episode? I don't you know? disagree with you. Vader is used in that way, and it sucks because we got very little Vader in the prequels, obviously, and then we got Vader in the in the original trilogy, but it's not like vader mowing down because it's just very old school right like i want vader from rogue one vader and i want to yeah. see that in live action and i don't know, we see it in rebels you know him and the inquisitors hunting people down but like i want to see vader mowing down people because vader is awesome but what would you like to see out of this show now so what i think they could do is and yes mandalorian has touched on this a little bit but if you remember original trilogy, so they could build on this, they always said Obi-Wan was this kind of weird hermit who was always in the background, but nobody really knew who he was sort of thing. Hello there. Exactly. So my thought was he could be kind of this guardian angel to the city, and everybody sees him as this like weird old man who's always in the background, but really us as the audience sees him as like, pulling the strings and maybe we see that criminal underworld we go deep into the Jabba underworld and the mafia that's going on and we realize that really in the background Obi-Wan is meeting with these people pulling some Jedi mind tricks to make things go a certain way to kind of keep peace on the planet I don't hate that idea I think the only problem with it is you need some Jedi lightsaber action if this Why? show because this show is called obi-wan it's obi-wan we're talking about the people and i don't disagree that that wouldn't be compelling but that would be like a compelling two three episodes yeah exactly maybe. you build it up build it up and then in episode three maybe you see him getting a real pinch and he has to you know flicking go into yeah, action and pull that's it out. fine I don't. If this is only four episodes, then yes, that actually makes sense. I wouldn't hate that. Maybe it's just one little story where you know Luke gets in a pinch and he has to pull the strings, as you're saying, to get you know the Skywalkers uh, out of it. I don't think that that's a bad idea. I kind of like that actually. No. Right. Either way, I'll be happy. I'll never be unhappy to see Vader. I just think Disney, in the long run, if they want to keep this thing floating, they need to start creating some original shit. All right. Well, that's our Star Wars talk. Last uh, little segment of news here. But we're going to keep the next segment in the Star Wars family because it stars our man, Adam Driver. So let's get into our movie review. Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. All right. 
So we are talking Marriage Story, directed by Noah Baumbach. This is a Netflix film starring Adam Driver, Scarlett Johansson, uh, Laura Dern, and a couple other notable people that I can't remember their names. So the guy from I watched Princess this Bride. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, that's right. I watched this thing about two and a half weeks ago. So let's break it down for the people. We're going to go non-spoilers, story, execution, feel, because that's what we do it here on Watch It and Rank. Taylor, start off with the story, please. Story, I thought, was very well executed in the fact that it wasn't, and this is what I love about movies, and a lot of the movies we've seen so far this year have also gone with this theme, wasn't traditional Hollywood. We come in. We build up, there's a problem, we fix it, you know, act one, two, three. There wasn't act one, two, three, but it wasn't, you know, oh, a happy ending, everybody's honky-dory. It was very real. You felt very connected to the characters, all the story beats. There was a lot of twists and turns that I did not see coming. and There really were. You know, it kind of kept you on the edge of your seat where you did not know what was going to happen next in their relationship. So overall story, I was was very, very impressed. So let's just recap real quick. Uh, it is the story of a marriage, pretty much. A uh, family getting divorced. A failing uh, marriage, yeah. Yeah, a failing marriage. And it is a heartbreaking story at that. It really is. Um, this is something that happens to uh, nearly 50% of people in the world and families. And so... I was very against watching this movie. Karen was actually the one that wanted to watch it. It just kind of just felt it felt like it would it was going to be a really tough watch. And right off the bat, they inject this comedy into the movie as very subtle comedy with them reading the notes to each other sort of thing. Yeah. And it kind of yeah. it kind of put me at ease about the, uh, which is what I loved about the story. And it's nice um, because it was realistic and they didn't exactly. it wasn't all doom and gloom the whole time, but it showed you like going through a divorce, you have to live your life through this time. Yeah. This story was <sighs> Noah Baumbach was able to mix everything going on seamlessly, but make you flip-flop between each parent. Yep. At one point, you are, I love Adam Driver. At the other part, you're like, I'm on ScarJo's side. And so it makes you as a viewer almost like their kid. Like, which one do I choose? What do I do? And so I love that about the story because it just showed that everybody has some flaws and that this is a lot of work between, um, you know, between spouses. That was great. And I, you know, just the emotional journey between everybody and how you know they prioritize work in the beginning but yeah. it's just you know this movie is about family and the story really hits at home it's yes. about family and the, what would you do for your kids the sad thing about the flip-flopping is it shows you kind of in real life how when you're going through a divorce it's uncharted waters and you don't know what's going on and you're confused and you're an emotional and you're trying to juggle all these responsibilities and decisions and that's just like blood in the water. So as soon as a divorce lawyer even, you know, sniffs a hint of that, it's like game on, you gotta be doing this, you gotta be going through these motions in order to get what you need. It was yeah. very much a you know, story about the process and the system 
and you know these people out there who are gonna pin you against each other even though you want to handle things in a civil way it was it was it was tough that's a really good point because you look at how you know in the beginning when they you know were getting divorced and they decided on that they wanted to keep things very civil but then as soon as lawyers get involved the lawyers are basically you need to do this 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 and this otherwise you're not going to get custody so then they start turning them against each other so you know it's almost kind of shedding a light on that part of the the divorce process because maybe it's just hard to say man this is just a really tough watch and we're not going to spoil how it ends obviously but I mean, you had did you cry during this movie at any point or are you just that emotional brick that doesn't feel anything? <laughs> nah, I I didn't cry. I I was I was in tears multiple times. It it wasn't I mean, some of the there's like a couple of scenes there when there's some big knockout drag out fights yeah. and the and Scarja's monologue is like one for the decade. But, I loved it. And there's some points where you get whole like really pent up, but no, it it wasn't anything across the line. It wasn't super, yeah. super depressing because it kind of showed you, like I said, a realistic way of this is the way things are. They kind of took a very pragmatic approach to things. So it was kind of like, yeah. wow, this sucks, and this is the way the system's built. So unfortunately, this but, is the way things go. But it's ultimately that, you know, what would you do for your kids and to make sure that they grow up with two loving parents um, so for me, I, I really enjoyed the story because it just felt real. It felt so real. Yeah. Um, yeah. and you, I think that that has a lot to do. It was not predictable for sure. No. And I think that has a lot to do with the performances because let's get into the execution. What Noah Bombach is able to do to get out of driver ScarJo is phenomenal. It's really good work. It's maybe her best work. I'm, they both are nominated for Oscars. Um, she was so good. She was so good, but so was he. Yeah, he's unbelievable. I mean, they both were. It was outrageous. Yeah. yeah. You you've talked about the monologue. Her monologue scene with Laura Dern for the first time is, one, an incredible piece of acting, but two, I love the way it's shot where she just walks into the bathroom and grabs the tissues. Laura Dern, like, takes her shoes off. You know, the way that he kind of it, – it, Noah Baumbach's able to give us a little bit of humor in these really tough moments, and it helps with a lot of the blow. Yeah. So I, I found the uh, performances incredibly, incredibly well acted. The only performance that I – think has been getting a ton of praise that was just fine is Laura Dern. I was going to ask you that because she won, uh, I believe, the Globe or SAG Award for Best Supporting. Yeah, and I, don't get me wrong, love Laura Dern, think she's awesome, but it, it was just like the stereotypical divorce lawyer, I'm going to go for everything, like rah, rah, here's what we're doing. Like it wasn't she played like a cold-hearted lawyer, as you would expect, but in some ways you kind of felt emotionally detached, and I didn't totally buy the performance, if that makes sense. It's interesting now that we're talking about supporting actresses because I never really feel like when I'm watching movies, I'm like, yo, that supporting actress was so good. 
to me, it's always thinking the lead actresses. So, you know, I'm just thinking in my head, what other supporting actresses were there this year that you are saying she was no better than? I can't even name any. I don't even know who's on the list. Dude, the girl from Jojo Rabbit. Well, ScarJo was actually nominated for a supporting actress in Jojo Rabbit. See, I think she was better in Jojo Rabbit than Laura Dern was in this movie. ScarJo? Yeah, I totally agree. ScarJo yeah. had more meat in that movie. and But, yeah, I guess that's just an interesting thought that I've never had. But, I mean, what other, from an execution standpoint, uh, takes do you have? I thought the pacing was also incredibly well because you have a movie like this that's so you know, raw and hard yeah. to watch. And it never felt like it dragged on for me. So it never felt like it dragged on for me, but I felt like it was a little bit of a slow start. The first 30 minutes of the movie, I had it in my mind. I was like, all right, this isn't really for me. I see where this is going. It's right. kind of fine. It, it wasn't until the unexpected twist and turns where I was like, oh, like, oh, that's happening now. Oh, she, she did that. She pulled this in. Oh, he's doing yeah. this? Like, what? That doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. So once it, was... it started kind of going off the traditional beats, that's when it kind of hooked me. But the beginning, I was just kind of like, all right, I kind of see what this is. But it, yeah. it totally flipped it upside down. Okay. But uh, for me, also execution. The Princess Bride dude was hilarious. Was he the lawyer? The the one lawyer? No, 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 no. He was he like was the actor the guy. old guy. Yeah, the old actor guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. He just I know which one you're talking about now. He was making some goofy comments, and he was like kind of rapey and a pretty like awful person in general. Yes, yes. I'm. I was thinking for some reason of his, Adam Driver's lawyer, uh, that old guy, the first meeting that they had. I'm, like I said, there were some kind of funny moments in this movie, yeah. uh, which you know is not what you want. But that brings me into how I felt about the movie or what it made me feel, which was. Absolute devastation. <laughs> oh my God. I, I like I I cry, I just sobbed after this movie ended for and it's not like a terribly sad ending. I mean, obviously there are there this is just, you know, dealing with this kind of thing, but I don't know. Like there there was just some different things set up in the movie that when, you know, it ended, I just felt like, oh my God, like this just sucks. Uh so they just did a really good job of making you feel for both of these, you know, these spouses, even though you want to hate both of them at times. Yeah. I mean, the end and the whole reason they got divorced, I mean, I totally understood it. I totally bought it, but same. it made me feel like really not, not only for your kid's sake, but you know, if you guys really believe in this relationship, you could a hundred percent make this thing work. Like, at, at times I was like, "All right, ScarJo, I understand that you know he was a very not dominant figure in her life, but I, I guess sort of dominant. Like he was her director as she was an actress, and you know she kind of gave up a lot of her dreams on the West Coast so that she could follow his dreams, and she felt like she was kind of along for the ride with him. He never kept his promises. I mean, they really had bad communication." That's what times. it was. That's what yeah, it was. And that's... You know, I had like, bad communication. I mean, I'm not a freaking marriage expert. I've only been married for a year and a half. But you know, <laughs> communication is absolutely 100% everything. So... Yeah. It's, well, it's bananas. Uh, like I said, this is really, really a good look at what happens to a lot of families. And it made me feel 
like I said, devastated. So if I had to give this thing a score, I want to hear your shirts because you always seem to have been high. You've been higher than me lately. Like, I know. I that's normally not the case. You know what? It's because we've been watching good movies. movies. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Don't give me that. 1917 was a piece of trash. Just 1917 kidding, was, was not a piece of trash. All right. What's um, your score? So I'll give this movie an 8.7. Okay. Wow. I'm giving this movie a 9. So there it okay. is. The first time I am above you. And so to recap, our other two movies we've done this year. Uh, have been 1917, as we just mentioned, and The Irishman. 1917, we came in together at a 7.9. Yep. And The Irishman was an 8.9. Correct. So 8.7, 9.0. I think this is a little bit below Irishman. Slightly. Slightly. So let's throw this thing at like an 8.8. An eight eight sounds about right. I I struggled. I almost gave this an eight nine because you know I don't want to give things too high. Like I don't want to throw things into the nines because once we get, <laughs> once we get to the summer blockbusters, what am I gonna do? Oh God, I know. I'm gonna <laughs> have to start rating these Marvel movies like a four point uh, just so we can stay realistic. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, I, we do have a DC movie coming up. We will be doing in about two weeks, Birds of Prey. But I think I think Jesus. an eight point nine is is pretty pretty good for this or an 8.8 i think so too i think it deserves all the praise it really that didn't make me sad because of the relationship crumbling because i really do think it was better for both parties but it made me sad to look at the system how these divorce lawyers think and attack these things so that they can be compensated more than you know usual and then not only that but there's a scene and this isn't super spoilery but whenever you know, they have to get evaluated as parents by just this like random stoner lady from the state of California. And it's like, that's really, right, that's right. the entire livelihood of your child is in the hands of this dweeb. So it's just yeah. kind of things like that. That's like the system. It's a broken uh, system. It's a broken system. I it's know. tough. It's I tough. Know. All right. Well, that's, that's marriage story. Uh, do you think it will win any Oscar uh, categories that it's been nominated in? I don't know. Uh, it's up for best picture. Do you think this has a legit shot at the best picture race? No, maybe best director. I don't think Bombac got or was not needed. Really. Damn, then I don't, may, I don't think was... so. Then I don't know if it's gonna win anything. Honestly, it was really good though. It was really good. It's uh, it, yeah, it really was. So, okay, that is the review. We are now gonna finish up with a few segments, and our. First segment is Throwdown. And his name is John C. Alright, this is a new segment that is going to be where we basically pick two movies. One pretty good. One maybe not so good. At least in our eyes. And we're going to flip a coin and that person, whoever wins the, the coin toss, is going to choose one of the two movies. The other person gets stuck with the other. And we're going to debate for five, ten minutes, whatever it is, about which movie is better. And then, you know, if we can't come to a conclusion, we're going to have to leave it up to the, to the audience. But this is going to be fun because I really want to 
you know, like hope that you get the movie that sucks. <laughs> I would. I hope that you get the movie that sucks. <laughs> and then, and then that way it'll be just be fun to kind of debate that because you know sometimes a, a shitty movie just might not be that shitty just in one person's eyes. So all right. To be fair, for the first two movies that we picked for this one, they're both kind of they're both good. critically fresh and fine. Yes. Yes, they are both critically fresh and fine. Okay, but I have the coin right here. It is a lucky penny that I found, 1991. Um, you call it, sir, as I flip it in the hair. Ready, set, go. Tails, obvi. It is heads. I'm showing it right here. It is heads. Look at that. I will choose super bad, which means you get book smart. Okay. All right. So we chose these two movies because they're pretty similar to each other in terms of how the plot is. But I'm going to let you start, sir. What are your opening remarks? Book smart. Vagina. Rah, rah. Yay. So happy. This is great. It's just as good as super bad. Oh, come on. Give me the reasons why. You have to defend this movie. You have to fight. All right, that's fine. No, I mean, they really did take all the really good beats of Superbad, bring it into the 21st century, and they, you know, threw a lot of references in there about Tinder, and, you know, they actually have cell phones now. So, yeah, screw you, man. Superbad is outdated. They didn't have good cell phones. They were looking for service. A lot of that stuff wouldn't have been able to happen. These girls are out with all these rich mofos on a yacht. Billy Lord's popping up. She's hilarious in it. They're running around town, getting into some shenanigans. And I think, actually, that it told a better story of social stigmas in the high school environment where this girl was the nerd. One wanted to break out. The other one wanted to stay straight-ed. So they had to kind of deal with that throughout the entire story and plot line and find their inner self. Shit, dude. That was pretty good. I was not expecting this. But... Come on, we're talking super bad. Super bad reinvigorated the the comedy uh, like franchises back in the day. I mean, super bad is a timeless classic, and it is what all of these movies, Book Smart and Good Boys, strive to be. They are just simple retellings. You have characters such as McLovin, Seth, Officer Michaels, all of these timeless characters that are still social influences in meme culture. It is one of the most quotable comedies of the last 20 years. And to this day, I know for a fact that Superbad is one of your favorite comedy movies. So I don't know how else to to defend this movie, but the influences of Superbad have are seen all over comedy. This movie is 1,000% funnier than Booksmart. Booksmart may be good, but it is not as funny as Superbad. I mean, I'm looking at you on the camera right now, and I'm just going to put my <laughs> hand on your nose and go, boop, boop, boop. I mean, come on. It's Superbad. What do you, I mean, it's like the Iron Chef of Pound and Vosh. So, sidebar, I was walking into the Ravens game that they lost the other weekend. And a dude was wearing a Ravens jersey that just said McLovin '69. <laughs> That's amazing. See, it's it is pop culture references everywhere. Like, I'm, it's not pop culture references. People reference 
super bad still to this day. It is one of the most quotable movies. I mean, every year on McLovin's birthday, you see that license <laughs> posted everywhere. Happy birthday, McLovin. I mean, it is it it kickstarted the careers of Jules. Uh, uh what's her name? Emma. Uh, or Emma. Stone. Emma, Emma Stone. Uh, you know. Seth Rogen was already big. Uh, Bill Bill Hader, uh, Jonah Jonah Hill, and Michael Sarah. It is just an all time comedy movie. So, but I don't it know was misogynistic. A- they were talking about dicks Di- the whole movie. different time. They were talking <laughs> yeah, about just trying to cop a feel and get laid the whole movie. Are you kidding me? Well, I guess Booksmart was kind of the same way. She was trying to get it in. Yeah, the whole movie. It's it's a different time. It was a different time, and I just don't think if I had Book Smart in my hand and Super Bad in my other hand, twenty times out of ten, I'm picking Super Bad, and I know you would too. So, this is a terrible choice. Yeah, this is a I, terrible choice. I would love to hear Super Bad is my second favorite comedy of all time. I know it is. So I'd love to hear what the audience thinks. Uh, did I lay the beat down? On Taylor, if you smell what Brian was cooking, eyebrow raise. Sorry, bro. I can't even argue, man. I was just hoping so. Literally my entire hope in this was that I was going to win the coin flip and be able to just smack you up with Superbag since like the greatest (laughs) movie of all time. And I think Booksmart is actually absolute trash. I thought it was terrible. Wow! See, I didn't really think Book Smart was that was was bad. I actually liked it, but it was a total ripoff of of Super Bad. Yeah, but, you know, I, I as a first time director, Olivia Wilde, I thought she did an incredible job. I thought the performances were great, and I did have a a, a lot of good laughs in that movie. But yeah, it's Super Bad, and I and I'm interested because we were gonna pick Good Boys and Super Bad. Uh, no, Good Boys and Book Smart, but I have not seen Good Boys yet, so I'm actually eager to because I've heard that one's actually really funny as well i think good boys is worse probably worse than book smart it's not that wow not that okay good. i'll get maybe i'll give that a watch this week and i will let you guys know because super but bad is like it has a lot of crude humor but it's really clever it's judd apatow man but like good boys and book smart it's all like <laughs> Hey, check out this eggplant emoji. We're really relatable, aren't we? <laughs> and it's I just mean, like all it these is dick though. jokes and like lame. Like it's it's not as clever. Uh, I don't know. You know, but here's the thing: when we saw Superbad, we were of a younger age, and you know, we were still in in high school, and it was you know that crude humor to us. I wonder what high school kids think about Booksmart if they found it you know super relatable in a way that we all true. probably did. Like you know, what I mean, it, p- younger the younger gen- generation may have found this movie a lot more relatable than Superbad because you're right, Superbad was you know that was our movie. Exactly. That was there, I mean, every uh, yeah, that's true because we probably watch it through this super nostalgic lens, and they probably watch this movie like, wow, we can really relate. Like they really understand all of our you know, technology and all the shit that we deal with. But yeah, I don't know. 
just nothing beats super bad, man. Like no. sneaking out of your parents' house, trying to go to parties senior year, and like sneak beer in and a tide. Dude, remember container. when? Remember? Oh. Yeah, the tide container after the the girl dances on him, he gets a period blood all over <laughs> yes. his pants. My Dude, God, I, maybe I I might have to rewatch Superbad soon. Oh, uh, I, I watch that movie at least once a year, dude. I have it on wow. DVD. It's the greatest movie of all time. Well, no, all right, well, it's not true. Second greatest. Well, you're. Of all time. Is your first? I mean, your first favorite comedy has to be Dumb and Dumber. I thought I Love You Man would be up there. Nah, I Love You Man's kind of like my guilty pleasure comedy movie. Because it's, it's not though. that good, but I love it. No, that's a. I disagree. I think I Love You Man is amazing. I mean, I'm slapping the bass, slapping the bass. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just because it's got Paul Rudd and Jason Segel, so it's great movie, and it's a total bro flick. It is, but. Let's, you know, let's finish off with our preview of next week um, because we are one, two, two weeks away from the Oscars and there's still nothing out in theaters, man, nothing. So we are going to cheat once again for the month of January. It's just a terrible month. Where are and the Logans, gonna... bro? Where are like the Logans and the Deadpool? Logan was... And the... Deadpool and Logan, I believe, were February's February movies. Ah, maybe so, and February does have a couple bangers coming out. But next week, we are finally going to do Bong Joon's Parasite, and I am super excited because he has directed both Snowpiercer and Okja. I don't know if you've seen those two I movies. I did not but see Okja, but Snowpiercer is awesome. Yes, so I'm looking forward to seeing this movie this week and talking to you about it. Dude, All his right? acceptance speech at the Golden Globes was amazing. Did not see it. He basically came up and was like, the whole reason I made this movie and it's like completely in Korean is because I finally want to show the world that that one-inch bar of text on the bottom of the screen <laughs> shouldn't inhibit your enjoyment of a movie. Wow. That was awesome. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. So do you have any closing remarks for our listeners? I guess we should probably plug. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Watch It Rank. Uh, I don't know how to – we are different names across all platforms, but – if you search Watch It, W-A-T-C-H-I-T, you will find the logo. So click, give us a follow, and we will update you with all the content coming your way for the next week. Until then, Tell Taylor, your friends. Tell your wife. Tell your friends. Yes, tell your friends. Try and get the words out. We're, you know, I think we're doing pretty good as a startup podcast. So thank you for coming back every week. You guys are our number one fans. Taylor, take it away. See ya. Peace.